look at this today, I want to talk about what the kingdom mind, what the message of a kingdom-minded church looks like. You probably know what it doesn't look like, and you may have even experienced it. Uh, may have had a hard time in your life, you may have lost a job, you may have had a child addicted to drugs, you may have had a child come home pregnant, your spouse may have left you, you may have lost a business, and you may have turned to the church, and all of a sudden, when you weren't tucked in, cleaned, and polished up, and all of those things, they began to tell you things that really just broke your heart. Maybe felt like they were carving it out with a spoon. You know, many people go to church looking for new beginnings, but if they have the wrong message, it kind of leads to a bitter end. See, what I began to realize 10 years ago, we had a little saying, a little campaign, and uh, it said, uh, if you've given up on church, but not on God, come and join us. Because there is a lot of people that have given up on church. They still love God. And even if you've had some bad experiences with church in the past, and you have some really good reasons not to go back, maybe you're somebody watching at home today, and, and you're just saying, well, preacher, you know, I'm good with this TV stuff. Uh, I won't get hurt. People won't betray me. Uh, it's safe. Let me tell you why we come together and try to be a kingdom-minded church, because there's not just thousands, hundreds of thousands of people people like that in Peru waiting on us, but there's tens of thousands in our city that is your family, that is your children, that look just like you. I'm not talking about find a little church planning niche, a little suburban area where everybody is of the same demographic and the same culture. No, listen, when we planted Family of Grace Church, we put it here because God had put his thumb in our back and said, I want you to impact the region. I want you to impact the city. And if you want to be part of something that's bigger than a church, then grab a kingdom strategy. But if you're going to have a kingdom strategy with a worldly message, you're going to be leading them down the path, wrong pathway. I know in Peru, uh, but really in Haiti, because in Haiti, uh, we, in our ministry in Haiti has partnered more with just equipping pastors. We, when we go, we'll meet with about 80 pastors and leaders of churches and just really pour into them and in Haiti uh, some of them come from the <clears throat> rice paddies and will come into this conference and and one, they'll find an internet cafe somewhere along the way but more than one has asked us this question why is it that all the preaching we can find online is all about prosperity and about the word of faith and you know it's just this prosperity gospel you got a guy living in a mud hut with no power and no stove and no running water and uh, you have a prosperity gospel. We have preachers that say, if your church doesn't look like this, if it doesn't have all of these bells and whistles and it doesn't have all of this, it's not real church. You know, I mean, I like Andy Stanley and he puts out some good stuff, but he had a crazy statement a few months back and he said, parents, you're, you're treating your children wrong if you don't take them to a mega church. You're depriving them. And what I want you to know today is what God is looking for in our life is he's looking for us to connect, to network with a body of people that we believe with so that we have the same kingdom-minded strategy so that we can move forward and 
impact the kingdom of heaven here on earth. You know he said whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose on earth be loosed in heaven. I'm telling you that he gave us authority. He said to his disciples, all power, all authority has been given to you to go and make disciples. You see, the problem with making disciples of all nations is they look different, they act different, they walk different, they talk different, they live differently. Last night, somebody in a position of prominence asked me, he said, where did you find all these kids? I said, in the city, in our city, in our city. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're yearning, they're longing, they're, they want somebody to love them. Let me tell you about this younger generation. Let me just speak to the older folks for a minute. They, they've had everything. They've tried all the bells and whistles, and it's leaving them wanting what they don't have is somebody to pull up beside them and say, let's do life together and mentor them and help them be all that God's intended for them to be. See, a kingdom-minded church has a kingdom-minded message that transcends time. A kingdom-minded message, you could preach it in A.D. 33 or in 2017. The same text, the same points translate. A kingdom-minded message transcends time. It transcends culture. You can preach it at the church with the highest steeple and the best coffee bars and the biggest bells and whistles, or you can take that same message down to the riverbank and preach it under a bridge, and you don't have to modify anything. A kingdom-minded message transcends culture. It transcends time, but it transcends country. You don't have to get a new sermon. I'm telling you, if I can't preach a sermon that I'm preaching to you today in the rice paddies of Haiti, if I can't preach it in the mountains of Peru, if I can't preach it in the highlands of Peru, and if you can't preach it in the Islamic nations, I need to get another message. Well, that's three things, but that's not my point. It's just my introduction. In the book of Acts, we see this guy named Saul. If you're a new believer, you may not know Saul because God turned his life right side up and named him Paul. Led him to write over half the New Testament, but Paul was a man who was very religious. He had uh, been very zealous about the work of the Lord. And in this process of pursuing that, he did everything he needed to do. He needed to check all the, he checked every box you should check to have a really good resume. I mean, from being circumcised on the right day of the right tribe, growing up in the right family, doing the right things, to going to the school of Gamal. I mean, listen, all you had to do was throw his, you know, you know some people when they name drop. I mean, if you name drop that you had a degree from the school of Gamal, I mean, I mean, check, you're in. Come on, come on in. I attended Liberty University, and anytime I look at somebody's resume or talk to them, they say, I attended Liberty University. I'm like, check, he may be a nut, but he screwed on the right bolt. <laughs> it's just, and that's kind of how that was. I'm familiar with it. I know, I knew, I know what I learned there. And it's the same dynamic when you name drop that school of Gamal. This was Paul, 
his name was Saul, and I mean, he had everything going for him. But all of a sudden, in the race to the top, the race to build the biggest empire of the Judaism world, there was this thing called the way that got in the way. And it was made up by a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and rebels who was going and preaching this gospel that we had killed the prince of life. And now all of a sudden they were in the way with the message of the way, which is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And everything was, are you in the way? Are you in the way? Are you in the way? Some of you older people, it was the lingo you used. I remember when we found out we were pregnant with the twins, I had this older gentleman came up and he says, I hear you in the family way. <laughs> the family way? What do you mean? He said, your wife's pregnant. Oh, okay. As we look at this, it's an interesting dynamic. And here was this guy named Saul. And, and I mean, he was there and he was, so man, we got to do something. Because this new thing, this new church is infringing on our members. We're losing members to this new church. We've got to do something. So they started torturing them to get them to be quiet. Matter of fact, it got so bad, they were stoning this one guy named Saul. I mean, Stephen. And he said, man, God, God parted the heavens and let him get a glimpse of the third heaven. And Jesus was standing up. And he said, I see Jesus. And they said, that's it. Kill that dude. He's nuts. And they assassinated Stephen. And Saul was of so much prominence that he didn't have to throw the rocks. He just commanded that they be thrown. And he was holding the coats. It's the first time we see this man in the Bible holding the outer garments of the one killing the bride of Christ. And now there's this, the way has made its way to Damascus. And all of a sudden, people are being converted to Jesus like crazy. And man, as they're moving forward and they're going through this pathway, all of a sudden Saul says, man, I, I need to get down there and get that thing cut off before it wildfire spreads. So he got the letters of requirement to go and persecute anybody who was in the way and in the way. And in the book of Acts chapter 8, we see this passage of Scripture. It says, and Saul agreed to putting them to death. And, and so in this passage of Scripture, we begin to connect these dots. And, and we move over to Acts chapter 9. And he's, he's, in the, he's on this journey. And here's what it says. As he traveled in verse 3 of Acts chapter 9, nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this to me? Why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, uh, man, I am Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. He didn't say, I am Stephen and this stuff. He said, why are you persecuting Stephen? He said, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. He said, I want you to get up and go into the city, and I'm going to tell you what to do. And then the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound from heaven, but seeing no one. And so Saul got up from the ground, and he went there, and his eyes were open, and he could do nothing. So they took him by the hand, and they led him into Damascus, and he was unable to see for three days, and he didn't eat or drink for three days. Now in Damascus there was some disciples, and one of them's name was Ananias, and the Lord came to him and said, Hey, Ananias, exclamation point. Well, you know it's bad when God calls your name with an exclamation point exclamation point 
And so in this passage of scripture, he says, get up and go to the street, call straight. The Lord said to him, there is someone there in the house of Judah from Tarsus. His name is Saul, and he is there praying. In a vision, he, I have appeared to him, and he's seen you coming to him to place hands on him that he may regain his sight. And Ananias said, Lord, many people know this dude. Don't you know he's been persecuting us and harming us and don't you know this is the guy that even killed Stephen? And the Lord said to him, go, exclamation point. For this man is a chosen instrument to carry my name to the Gentiles, to kings and the sons of Israel, and I will certainly show him what he must suffer. Boy, not much prosperity in that, huh? Not much prosperity in that. I'm going to go show him what he's going to suffer for my name. So he entered his house, placed his hands on Saul, and the Holy Spirit fell upon him. Scales fell off of his eyes. A couple things I want you to jot down. A kingdom-minded message. The message of a kingdom-minded church is he'll meet you right where you are. See, there's a lot of confusing messages about hearing from God today. Well, if you pray in a certain language, you can hear Him better. If you have the gift of prophecy, you can hear Him better. If you, if you tithe more, if you give more, if you sow the seed of faith more, you can hear God better, you can know God better. But here's what the message of Christ says. I will go to you where you are. Go back a couple of chapters before, read the story of Stephen. He's preaching the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ from, I mean, from Adam all the way to Jesus rising from the dead. And all of a sudden, here's what's happening. Now get this picture. All of a sudden, Stephen sees Jesus stand up. And he says, I see him standing at the right hand of the Father. Well, that just statement right there really messes up some theologians. He's standing there, and, and here, get this, get this, Saul's there. See, even when Saul didn't know it, Jesus was in his midst. Even when Saul was doing wrong, when he was knocking the blood out of the face and the head of Stephen, God saw him. When he was knuckleheading around, God saw him. And when God saw him, he loved him. He loved him because he formed him. He formed him because he knew him before he formed him. And he had a plan for him. He told Ananias, I have chosen this one. I want you to understand something. There's a whole lot of debate in the theological circles today about was you chosen? Was you elected? I want you to know that I got elected for an office I wouldn't even run in for because God chose me before the foundation of the world to be his child to be born again if I would give my heart to him he met Saul where he was he said um, I'm gonna go to Damascus and on his journey God met him. hey let me tell you something if you've ever had a life-changing experience with a holy God I bet you remember where it happened huh I remember boy I remember that night I went to the bonfire to pick up chicks all of a sudden, behind the parsonage of that little church, God showed up. I was a teenager, man. That was where all the good-looking girls was. I'm telling you, 
I went there to that bonfire for one reason, just like Saul on the road to Damascus was going there for one reason. God had another reason in my life. All of a sudden, I gave him my heart that night. I remember when he called me to the ministry after running for months and years. and all, I remember where I was. I can take you to the spot. I can take you to the spot where I heard from God. Do you remember that? He meets us where we are, regardless of what we've done in the past. God loves us. He cares for us. He has compassion for us. As Paul was going, Christ was going also. As you are going, Christ is going also. The Holy Spirit is overshadowing you. And he's saying, won't you open up the door? Won't you let me come in and do life with you? Won't you be the temple of the Holy One of Israel? Won't you open up? Won't you open up? Won't you open up? You know what? I, I never, uh, I never led anyone to Christ, and uh, and 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 God say, hold on, I have to go find Jesus. He's always there. He's everywhere. See, the message of Paul, this guy named Saul, was, I got a plan for you. He was on the pathway to terror, but Christ was on the pathway of holiness. And they were traveling the same stretch. It's kind of like a set of rails. Good and evil run on the same track, parallel to each other. I believe they leave at the same time and arrive at the same time. You've got to decide which rail you're going to run. In this context, regardless of our current condition, he loves us right where you are. Quit trying to get it together. Quit trying to figure out your marital problems. Quit trying to get off drugs and then come to Jesus. Quit trying to clean it up. Quit trying to get out of debt and tuck everything nice and neat. Let me tell you something about Family of Grace. It's a place where you can be real. The one thing we don't want you to do is put on your spiritual facade, drift into here, and act like you've got it all figured out because we are all sinners. We are all broken. We are all in a need of a savior Jesus Christ living inside of our hearts living inside of our lives that we might be victorious the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 57 a life verse of mine but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord it didn't say but thanks be unto God because of your local church the victory comes it didn't say thanks be to God because of the Pentecostals you can have life and have it abundantly or because of the Baptists or because of a, of a religious movement no it says but thanks be to God through Christ Jesus through Jesus through Jesus through Jesus he needs to be the bedrock he needs to be the center. He needs to be the one who is in all and through all and for all because really all things exist for him. Second thing I want you to write down is not only does he meet us where we are, but uh, he loves us in spite of who we are. Good gracious. Thinking about that knuckleheaded uh, teenager drifting into the house of God for ungodly reasons. <laughs> God said, I love you with all your wrong. I love you. I love you. I love you. Last week we looked at how a kingdom-minded church is willing to separate itself from some of the best talent, some of the best treasures for the sake of others to expand the kingdom. 
And last week we looked at this guy named Paul, and we looked at his missionary journeys, how him and Barnabas separated. And we looked at how the church of Antioch at Jerusalem was willing to separate itself from the best of the best. You know, before Paul was ever the best of the best, his name was Saul, and he was the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. He, he said this of himself when he was writing to young Timothy. He said, uh, I am the chief of sinners. I'm a murderer. I'm a sinner. I'm the least of the one who saw Jesus after the resurrection. Before he was the best of the best, he was the worst of the We love this guy named Paul, the prince of preachers, missionary's hero, wrote over half of the New Testament. But he was a murderer. He was a murderer. think there was enough grace for him some of you won't come to Christ because you say boy I've been this way too long there's not enough grace for me oh there's enough grace his grace exceeded our guilt he loves us for who we are in spite of it there's so much conditional love in this world from earthly parents. White girl, you marrying a black guy? Black guy marrying a white girl? Man, barricade the driveway. You're not coming back. Daughter comes home and comes out of the closet. You can't come back. You got to get it together. You see, in the earthly realm, we love people if they perform a certain way. I want you to know that when your worst day, the worst day of your life, Jesus loved you enough to die for you on the cross of Calvary. Don't you let some church in his name tell you you don't deserve a seat at their table. Well... Third thing I want you to write down is Christ guides us to where he desires us to be. You know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that when we get to where he is, he'll give us the desires of his heart. You know what's interesting is Saul desired to go to Damascus. You know where the first place Jesus sent him? To Damascus. To the street called Straight. See, Saul wanted to go to Damascus to fulfill his will to torture Christians, kill them if need be. But you know what happened? He ended up going there to do God's will. <laughs> Look at this right here. This is what it says. I'm not making this stuff up. In, the, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, it says, uh, but all who heard him, I mean, verse, it goes back to verse 20, I'm sorry. And Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some days, and immediately he got up and he went to the synagogue and he began to preach Jesus, the Son of God. Now look at this right here. It says, and but all who heard him were astonished and said, isn't this the man? Isn't this the man who are destroying those who call on the name of Jesus? 
And it wasn't it for this purpose that he was traveling here to take us prisoners? Take us as prisoners and drag us off the chief priest? Isn't this the man? <laughs> you know how you truly know when you're born again? Your old friends are looking at you saying, what in the world's going on with this dude? Last night at Dean Allen, the speaker said one of the great marks of adoration for him was of accomplishment was when his friends no longer called him to go to the bonfires. No longer called him to go ride around and drink and snort up drugs or shoot up. But all of a sudden now they, they just quit calling because they already knew his answer. tell you about religion it'll get you high and leave you low but Jesus is the most high he'll guide us where he wants us to be he asked Paul this question he said Paul how long are you going to kick against the goads the pointed sticks that they would use to prod animals the direction they wanted them to go how, how long are you going to keep kicking against that how long you know what I believe he's saying to some of us today? How long are you going to keep running? I got this nice room I prepared for you. I got a seat at my table. There's food in my cupboard. How long are you going to keep running? Some of you, you've already got you snuggled up nice in his bed and you're eating his spiritual food and you're enjoying his journey on the way to heaven but he's looking at some of you saying how long are you just going to keep taking before you start giving now rest easy I'm not even talking about your pocketbook I'm talking about something much greater yourself yourself the message that is preached in a kingdom minded church is it stretches us to be uncomfortable with people who are not like us, who doesn't look like us, who doesn't live the way we live, who live differently, but yet we come together to do life in the name of Jesus. Hey, guys. Hey, ladies. Young pe people. There's a city depending on us. There's a city depending on us. There's a region depending on us. Why are... Last week we talked about this little baby church trying to strike off to the south side of town to launch another service, another night of the week with our limited resources. People in the religious world would look at us and say, that's ministerial suicide. You know, I remember that first trip to Peru, Ralph. We booked the tickets and we didn't even know how we were going to pay for them. We got the money to pay for the tickets, but we had no money to travel. We had to pick up an offering before we could ever leave and believe God to provide the money. He'll guide you where he wants you to be. And he'll always bring you back to his original design. That's the message. He loves you where you are. He loves you for who you are. In spite of yourself. He wants to guide you where he designed you to be. And he wants you to bring you back to the original plan. What did he tell Ananias? Ananias, I know it's crazy to go pray for the guy who wants to kill you. Oh, by the way, he probably has a letter in his possession with your name on it and has the authority to drag you to jail. 
Well, would you go pray for him? Because I chose him. I cho- just like I chose you, Ananias, to be my child, I chose him. And can I tell you today, he chose you before he formed you. Before he formed you, he knew you. Don't settle for the way things have always been. Press forward for the way he wants them to be. He chose you to be his child, number one. He chose you to be his partner, number two. He chose you, number three, to be his mouthpiece. And he chose you, number four, to love you. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? Heaven needs you. We need you. Our city needs you. Will you say yes? I remember I ran across of preparing for our summit, our men's retreat coming up next month. It'll be a great time. The whole concept of the summit this year is becoming a kingdom citizen. And I was going through this book by Tony Evans, and I came across this illustration. How many of you remember a couple of years ago, all over social media, people were changing their profile pics, I was one of them, I did it, to the number 21. You remember that? 21 was all over the social media. How many of you remember this? About a year and a half, well, 2015, there was these 21 guys that ISIS lined up on the beach and killed every one of them. Remember that? They were all Christians. There was these three guys. One grew up in the uh, Islamic nation. One grew up in uh, Egypt. And they were both became followers of Jesus Christ. And they wanted all that God had in store for their family. And so they agreed to move their family to Egypt. There was a third guy who lived in uh, Chad, and uh, he, he also went to Egypt for work and prosperity. Twenty of them were hot-hearted believers for Jesus. Twenty of those guys there. But this 21st one really just got into the mix of them because not really because he was a hot heart follower of Jesus, just because it was trying to pursue prosperity and a good pathway for his family, and he got connected with these guys. And so anyway, ISIS grabs these guys and puts them on the beach and says, will you renounce Jesus Christ as your Savior and say that Allah is God? Yes or no? No? Okay. Cut their head off. This happened. One, two, three, four. And you're already thinking, I know he's not going to count all the way to 20. Because that's an inconvenience for you because I'm eight minutes over. But these guys are on the beach and they're, will you, sir, renounce it? And so it gets all the way down to the 20th one. And he says, I will not renounce. Jesus is my Savior. And they cut his head off. And there's just one left. The guy from Chad, 
who just fell into this ragtag group of believers who was following Jesus Christ. And now he's about to die. And they come to him and they say, Sir, will you renounce Jesus and follow Allah? Now understand, he didn't follow Jesus. But his statement caused me to close my book and begin to weep. He said, their God is now my God. After watching 20 kingdom men say yes to eternal life, when it got to him, he said, I don't even know their God. But if 20 men would give it all, their God is Will you say yes? And you thought it was tough me asking you to go to church on Saturday night. Will you say yes, sir, ma'am, young people? You're coming off a spiritual high this weekend. Will you say yes to press forward? We're celebrating 10 years of Family of Grace. This week we'll celebrate the life of Martin Luther King, who said yes to a kingdom message. That he didn't feel like African Americans should have to live differently. Because when he would read the scriptures, there was no differentiating in race, gender, color, or creed. He would read the opening statements of the Declaration of Independence and say, we are all created equally. And in the church, the kingdom message was embraced that took to the streets. We're going to honor his dream this week. Are you willing to embrace that? Have you ever just sat your family down, sir, and had your boys and your girls listen to the speech of Martin Luther King? You ever have them listen to some of those? Will you say yes to being a kingdom citizen, to be part of a kingdom church, to break culture, to break race, to break socioeconomics, to break generational barriers for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, men and women, boys and girls. Will you say yes to Jesus being the center of your life? Please take this journey.